The world's most advanced color correction tool for Mac just got more powerful. DaVinci Resolve from Blackmagic Design. With XML import, export, multi-layered timelines, curve grading, noise reduction, stabilization, 3D alignment, OpenCL, and more. DaVinci Resolve is available from $995. Current users can download the updates for free. And try DaVinci Resolve Lite, a reduced featured version that's still packed with power. Visit www.blackmagicdesign.com. What, in addition to the right equipment, does it take for the job of film editing? Welcome to The Cutting Room. I'm your host, Gordon Raquel, and this week we're doing part two of my interview with Kelly Dixon. Before we get into part two of my interview with Kelly Dixon, I want to thank everyone for submitting the suggestions and comments on our Ideas podcast. Got some great suggestions from a lot of people, and we're going to be coming out with part two soon, very soon, actually. We're just finishing up one of our interviews, so uh, stay tuned for that, of course. And uh, we're also going to be posting more postmortems now that Andre and I have sort of figured out our locations and everything. But we'll do more of that in the coming weeks. So what I want to do right now is get you guys right back into my interview with Kelly Dixon. We're going to focus on Breaking Bad this week. So enjoy part two of my interview with Kelly Dixon. We have to be very respectful of the director. Let's take, for instance, if I wanted to go talk to Vince Gilligan about something, but he wasn't directing, right? And that happened many, many times. But I would pretty much have to wait and not discuss with him because it would basically be going over the director's head. And that's not right. That's not fair to that director. They directed the material. They have a right to see it first. They have a right to make their cut. They get four days to make a cut. With me at that point, once the director releases that cut, then that then it's out for the world, you know. And the producer has a cut, and the studio has a cut, and all that kind of stuff. So it's not actually finished, but the protocol is that it's really the director's stuff until then. At Breaking Bad, we were always very encouraged as editors to do what we thought would benefit the show. But most shows, I would say most shows aren't like that. You know, most shows, they don't want you as editors to necessarily go off book or restructure or do anything like that. But we were actually encouraged to do it. Um, Vince is, you know, he's hired very, very creative people. And he likes for, there's a better way. If there's, like, let's, okay, this is an example I can give you. Um, in the penultimate episode of Breaking Bad, the one where Jesse is in like the little prison and he breaks out, the little hole with the bars over it, and he breaks out. Well, the next scene, after he climbs the fence and the guys come out and they they see him and he climbs back down the fence and he's like, I'm not going to cook anymore for you. I don't even know what he says, but I'm not going to cook anymore. Well, originally he was supposed to that one of the guys was supposed to come up and just punch him in the stomach. And he was supposed to, like, sort of scrunch down. And it, the transition was going to be that they were just going to rip a bag off of his head. And he was already going to be in this pickup or this car, this truck, with Jack and those guys right before you know, Todd goes to kill Andrea. And so, you know, when we got the footage, it was like, you know, we got... We got Jesse being punched, but for some reason, it was not going to play very well for uh, this bag to be ripped over his head. And at first I thought, well, you know, because I was asking my assistant, well, is there anything of the car pulling up? 
and the lights going out or anything like that, anything. No, it was just supposed to be him crumpling down on the ground and then a bag coming off his head. And it just wasn't really working editorially. It sounded great. Um, and I've really never, I, I try not to disturb uh, directors on set, but I actually ended up emailing that director on set. Uh, that director happened to be a writer producer, but um, I, I emailed him on set and I just said, you know, uh, what did you have in mind here? Because I'm not really seeing how this is supposed to work. And he's like, oh, I thought it would work out this way. And I'm like, I don't think it's working the way you like it. We sent him a clip. Um, uh, that we, you know, had cut together. We sent him a clip, my assistant and I, and uh, and he saw it and he said, you know what? Um, I, yeah, I think I'm I'm going to reshoot this part and it's going to work. But as I was doing it, I said to my assistant, even before we did it, I said, you know, better transition would be, you know, let him just say that and let then let's not even show where he is. Let's not even show the car. Let's just show Jesse Plemons, Todd, walking down the street. We don't even know know where he is. And then it's revealed that, yes, he's at Andrea's house, but you don't actually see that Jesse has seen everything until after it's happened, which I thought was way more powerful. And But it was one of those things where it's like, well, I think that if we explain this to the writer, producer, director, he's not he's not going to see it for its full effect. You know, because with all due respect to them and I think to any craftsperson or, or artist, um, when you're starting to mess with their art, they're going to be like, well, you know, why? why? It's it's going to, you know, why, why are you going to mess with that? It was already good. So I said, well, to get the, the best, to, to let this play the best way we can, let's go ahead and just show it to him. And that's what I did. You know, I did in my editor's cut. And I, you know, I kind of did it the way that when he did the reshoot, I did it the way that he wanted to do it. And then when he came in the room for his cut, you know, I, I basically showed him, I have another way. I have another another uh, alternative. And he looked at it and he goes, no, that's great. And so that's what we did. It's great because so it sounds... a long answer to that question that you... Well, it's great because it's non-confrontational. It's not like saying, I can't do that it doesn't work or anything like that. It's sort of, well, sometimes you have to say that, you know, because a lot of times they'll shoot stuff and, you know, they'll insist and, you know, I'm like, well, here's the best that I could do. Did you have something else in mind that you, that I'm not seeing? You know what I mean? Sometimes you have to, because it's like, look, I get footage all the time where I'm like, I do not understand how they thought this was going to go together. So let's just wait till they get here and see. And, you know, sometimes they say, oh, no, 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 here's the way it was going to go. Or sometimes they say, wow, I, you know, geez, I, well, let's, uh, let's roll up our sleeves together and try and figure out how we can make, make this work. But, you know, going back to your question, you know, like I said, we were always encouraged on Breaking Bad to go to do what we needed to do or do what we thought would look good. Or would sound would sound good, look good, you know, be good for the show. One of the things Vince used to say all the time in the editing room is, "Don't rob me of any riches." So it's like if you have a good idea, you know, definitely tell him, you know, what it is, or show him what it is, and you know, he'll make a decision. And you know, he's really talented, so it's not like he doesn't have ideas. But he's the first one to say, "I don't know, I, I can't think of everything." And that's, you know, he always says, that's why I hire creative people, you know, the best people around me. Now, the the whole show is very suspenseful. Um, and I was wondering if we could talk about the murder of Crazy Eight uh, by Walter White. Because yeah. it's his first big murder. That was my first episode, too. My first ever episode. <laughs> well, I was gonna, I'm so proud of it, too. <laughs> well, it's, it's so amazing. And I was going to ask if you could sort of give us some insight into cutting that moment uh, where he, he kills him. 
Um, God, that it's so funny to go back to that show because that was my first episode. It was probably still one of the hardest episodes I've ever cut, and I learned a lot while I was doing it. Um, it's got a freeform teaser, a very freeform teaser about uh, where Walt is young and he's talking to his then girlfriend about the makeup of the human body like the chemicals that make up the human body, and then it's intercut with he and Jesse cleaning up Emilio from the bathtub incident. And it's got probably, well, at the time, the longest scene that we had. The longest scene that I've ever seen, and one of the long, definitely the longest thing I'd ever cut, which is the, which is the scene leading up to that where Walt is talking to Crazy Eight in the basement. And really kind of getting to know him. They're talking about how his father ran the the furniture store and Walter Jr.'s crib came from the store. I, I can't even remember that whole thing. It's been long. But I remember it being like a nine and a half minute scene, which was just unheard of, especially in television. Television is just like two and a half, three minutes at the most. Nine and a half minutes of these two guys just sitting in a basement was huge. I think with that one, like, the next thing that happens is Walt has basically decided not to kill him. Uh, he goes upstairs and takes the broken pieces of a plate, I guess, pieces of a plate and, you know, the, the from the sandwich that he, he had um, served to Crazy Eight. And, you know, I remember reading reading the script late at night when I first got it, and I was, like, enthralled with the script because I had no idea what Breaking Bad was going to be. I thought it was going to be some kind of madcap adventure and, you know, it was just going to be, like, a funny kind of thing. I had no idea it was ever going to get that serious, and I never thought it would get that lethal, ever. I remember when I was reading it, the scene that scared me the most to do was the scene where Walt finds the pieces of the plate and puts the plate back together with the missing piece. And the reason was because there was no dialogue, and it was really all about editing. It was only only editing, and and if the scene worked, it was because I was done a good job, and if the scene didn't work, it was going to be my fault. I remember being terrified of that scene when I read it, just because, you know, it was it was just so delicate that you had to you had to like show what he was doing, but not reveal too much. You didn't want the audience to figure out what he was doing before he figured it out and stuff like that. And it was just, I was really terrified of it. And then when it, when the footage came in, I just kind of worked with it. And I, I'm proud to say that it never got changed once. You know, it, it just, for some reason, I, I shouldn't have been scared of it. But the scene after that was when Walt, I mean, Walt realizes that Crazy Eight has taken a knife, a knife-shaped shard of this plate. And... And he goes downstairs, and it was very delicate. You know, it was one of those things where if if it had been done on any other, probably any other show, definitely on any other network show, music would have started. You know what I mean? It would have been just like this huge thing. But, it, you know, Vince didn't really want to work with music. I can't remember if there's any music under that moment. Uh, I don't think so. There is. Yeah. You know, Vince was very sparse with music. We didn't know that in the very beginning. But, you know, as as we got seasons and seasons down the road, we, we definitely knew, you know. But it was one of those things where it was so such a delicate situation because it was like well you know uh crazy eight doesn't know that walt knows but walt knows and he doesn't want to give anything away and this was a huge moment for walt and i i I wanted to feel every single minute of it as far as editing it and not cheating the audience or any of us out of you know out of that moment especially walt because 
you know, I, I've said, you know, a couple of times before, definitely to other people, friends and stuff, is that this is a moment when Walt has made a decision. He's going to actually kill somebody, and that's a huge deal. But he's not only going to kill him, he's going to kill him with his bare hands. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he's, he's, he, can't, he realizes that he cannot let Crazy Eight out. I mean, you know, and, and that's a huge deal. He, he is fully bought into this, this life at this point. There is no turning back. And it's a horrible choice to make. But it's not like he, you know, holds a gun up and shoots him from far away. He's got to basically hang on to this bike lock um, until he dies. And then he's got to deal with the body. And this is a, a kid, you know, sort of a kid who he's just had this long conversation with and they just got to know each other and they just kind of bonded. And so there, there's just so much you know, in that scene that now uh, has to just, you know, be uh, sort of, Walt has to sort of turn all of that off because at the end of the day, if he lets him out, he's going to, he's going to take revenge on his family. And so it was, I mean, just basically, I mean, originally when I saw it in my head, when I read it, I really thought there wasn't going to be very much footage. I was hoping that there wouldn't. I was hoping that they'd do it in, like, one shot and that it would be, like, very, very, very real and very um, sort of violent but very, like, there's no cheating. You know what I mean? You got to be there until he dies. You know what I mean? You got to stay holding that thing out until he dies. Um, and that, that could be a long time and there's going to be a lot of struggle. I didn't get that footage. I thought that I'd get that footage. I didn't get that footage. So the director, you know, had something else in mind. He had other, I mean, I, I, I don't think I talked to him about it a long, I mean, that was so long ago. It was 2007 and I haven't talked to him about it since I've worked with that director since, but we never really talked about it. So basically it was like me looking at what I had instead of, you know, not, not, it was definitely seen by the director in a different way than it was seen by me in my head. So I just had to look at it and say, well, what's important to me here? Um, the struggle was important. Seeing Walt was very important to me. Walt was more important to me than, than Crazy Eight was, even though uh, Crazy Eight is played by my friend Max, and Max and I go way back, and we, you know, I absolutely love him, but he he wasn't as important to me. But Walt's face, for all the reasons that I mentioned before, you know, was. And so I found that I didn't have as much on Walt as I wanted, and I also found that I didn't really have as much violence as I had hoped it would be. You know, there was a lot of stabbing of, you know, because he has to stab stab his leg and stuff. There was a lot of that, but there wasn't a lot of, um, I I needed it to, to look, I needed Walt to be, struggling and i needed to see that this was a a do or die situation for walt and he basically had to make a decision and stick with it and he's killing somebody i mean this is no this isn't it's not like a cheap death that you see on tv all the time this is real this is a real person this is walt could be your next door neighbor or your your kid's science teacher and now he's killing somebody and so all of those things sort of came into play with that scene and i i mean i never really wanted to do the quick cutting that it was but i found that to get the jolts of violence that had to that had to be seen that's what i had to do to get them you know, there's a, there's a couple places where 
I think he pulls on that bike lock and just really jerks it. And that had to be accomplished with some of the quick cuts, some of those things. So originally, that's not the way that I saw it in my head, but that's kind of what I had to do to make to make that work for the violence and the and the all of the emotion that I wanted to see. That's what I had to do. I'm going to interrupt everyone right there just for a second. We have to thank our sponsors uh, for this episode. So here's a message from our second sponsor, Screenlight.tv. Screenlight.tv is a video review and approval service for the post-production industry. Post-production teams can now easily share videos and production files with clients worldwide. Utilize their project management and team collaboration tools that include asset management, frame-accurate video feedback, proactive security, and more, all at a price that won't break your production's budget. Use the video review and approval service trusted by post-professionals throughout the world. Screenlight.tv Screenlight.tv Upload anything, get feedback, and finish projects faster. Well, what's, what's nice about the fast cutting is because at the very last shot, you cut to the wide... Uh, yeah, from the back. Vince, that was Vince's idea. He really wanted that. In fact, he was like, I just want to see it from his back. You know, I just want to be on his back. And I was like, what? Okay. You know, but but then when he got in the room and he saw what I had done and, and then he's like, yeah, now, you know, because I think I think he says, I think I cut close to him where he's like, he lets him drop to the floor. It's been a while since I've seen this scene, so forgive me. But he lets him drop to the floor and then he says... I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, something like that. And that was just a really touching moment. I mean, it's like, you know, it's like, I mean, when you, I found that that you have to kind of, as much as you can, put yourself into that position. You know, you're just a regular person. This is not a sensational story at this point. This is a regular guy. And now he's made some decisions that he never thought. You know, Walt always thought that he was going to be on the background of all this stuff. He was just going to cook. Jesse was going to take care of all that. And he was going to be anonymous and go home and be with his wife and kid. And it wasn't going to be like this. And now, you know, within the blink of an eye, he's basically having to make a decision to kill someone. And that's like, and I'm not even talking about the repercussions with his brother-in-law or anything. It's just like, you're going to have to, you have somebody uh, uh, as a prisoner, you've kidnapped. They basically kidnapped him, you know, and, and, and now you're going to have to uh, kill him. And that, I just wanted people to realize that the, the gravity of that situation Mm-hmm. Well, what blew me away was for the whole series, like watching uh, Cranston's transition. Yeah, me too. There's so many subtle, and it, and it's when you go back and rewatch episodes or things, you start to see the subtleties in the like. Because I rewatched that scene today, and like <laughs> as he's doing it, he's saying, "I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry." Yeah, he's, he's, and it's, he's just yeah, it's it's kind of heartbreaking. It's really. You know, and I think, you know, one of the things I loved it about what Vince does, you know, as well, I mean, they all do, excuse me, I don't mean to like say that only Vince, you know, there were, uh, I think a total of maybe like, I'd have to count, but maybe like seven or eight, nine writers uh, over the course of the show um, collectively. And and they let, the these this never happens, you know, on other, you know, especially network television, but Luckily, it's starting to happen more often on uh, heavy drama shows is that you let the characters be by themselves and reflect. And I think the next like one of the next scenes is Walt is just 
sitting in his car on an overpass. You know, he's just sitting there because he's just done this. I think that's that episode, isn't it? Isn't it? Okay. <laughs> I was like, you know, I couldn't remember. And I think that, oh, yeah, because the, the way that episode ends is he finally goes home and he says, Skylar, I have to tell you something, right? I think that's how that ends. It's been a long time. I'm really sorry. <laughs> no it's been a long time since I saw that one. But, um, but yeah, it's like, it's like that's, that's the one thing I love about, about what we did with that show is that we gave people moments because there are those moments where you have to reflect and you have to look at what you did. They also gave the audience a breather. And, they, you know, everybody doesn't have to be talking all the time or moving around all the time. It's like sometimes you kind of have to let these people reflect and you as an audience have to reflect on the just, you know, that's like very deep work. I, I Like I said, I never thought the show would be that. I mean, I never thought that it would ever get to that. And, you know, when it did, I was like, oh, my God, we are we're in it. Wow. You know, and crazy. We- with Cranston's change over the seasons, did you guys um, make changes in your editing to sort of uh, make him a little more scary or anything, or did it uh, just come I naturally? Think, I never approached anything any different from season to season. I don't think I uh, never. I, I don't think I ever made any kind of a different approach to the work that I did. You know, you know, as far as like from a character standpoint, like that. I mean, you know, you know. We, y- it's like when you read the script, you you kind of maybe get an idea in your head of what things these guys are very illustrative in their script as well. So you kind of get an idea in your head the way things might look. But honestly, you can't. I would get myself into trouble if I, you know, sort of pre-edited anything, you know, because you just don't know what you have until you have it. And if it says in the script that you've got a high and wide this you know, but that director didn't shoot it, well, then you've kind of messed yourself up because you kind of kind of have thought, oh, well, I have a high, a wide, this, and, you know, I'll, I'll use it to go from here to here, and I'll use that at that point. Let's say you didn't have it. But usually I will say that, in all fairness, and when these guys write high and wide, the directors tend to do that. But I'm just saying that, you know, you, you can't get stuck. You can't get stuck in, in, in what your preconception is going to be because you know you just have to wait i mean that's me i i have to wait and see what i get and then kind of formulate a plan when i get it so that was part two of my interview with kelly dixon we have a part three coming it's going to be coming out next week in the meantime we're going to be also working on the new ideas podcast so if you haven't listened to the other one go check it out it's in the feed we're always looking for suggestions on that on that or anything you can email us, info at AOTG.com. You can also get us on Twitter, at AOTG Network, or on Facebook, facebook.com slash AOTG Network. So I'd like to thank Kelly for allowing me to interview her. I'd like to thank Andre for doing the cutting for this episode. Of course, my producer, Lauren Woodcock. And, of course, the American Cinema Editors. I'm Gordon Burkell. Thanks for listening. <laughs>